Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. What a, what a joy it is to be with you. I am truly blessed to be here, and uh, it is a privilege to be able to stand here at this sacred desk and uh, the foundation of this church, knowing that my father was here and hearing from some of those who already have come and talked to me about their relationship with him. And then Brother Gleason, just an incredible example to me as a young man. He preached our youth week in 1980. Just a very young man, 1980, preached to us, and the message was, will there be a church in 1990? And I made the commitment, if nobody else was going to be on fire for God, I was going to make sure I was on fire for God. And the message was this, every, every movement has a 50-year cycle. And after about 50 years, they lose their fervor, they lose their passion, and they just become just another organization. And that's what he preached to me and put into me. And now I'm here to preach it to you tonight. What is this generation going to do with the mandate that has been given to us? Hallelujah. Brother Justin, you said it right tonight. It's been put into our hands. And now it's been put into your hands. And God's going to use you in an awesome way here. I'm excited not only about your past, your legacy, the tremendous foundation that this church is built on, but I'm excited about your future. A good foundation means it's going to have a great future. How many can say tonight, I'm glad to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm glad to be alive today. Amen. Come on, clap one more time to Jesus. We're going to get ready to go to the word of the Lord. So thankful. This is my baby's first time to hear me tonight. This is her first trip. I'm so glad Juliana's with me, and of course my wife, and what a great honor. And uh, Grandma and Grandpa are on their way. They couldn't stay away. You know that. So they're driving from St. Louis to be here. Genesis chapter number 19 is where we're taking our text from tonight. And thank you for all the kind words and wonderful room, the gifts in the room. So nice. Genesis chapter number 19. And I have several verses. I know you've been standing a while. Please be patient. After you're seated, I'll still be standing. Genesis 19 and verse number 15. When the morning arose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hands, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful, everyone say mercy. And he brought them forth and set them without the city. And it came to pass that when they had brought them forth abroad, he said, Escape for thy life. Everyone say, For thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Now, how much plainer can it get? Is that pretty plain? And Lot says unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, listen to his words. Thy servant hath found grace. Everyone say grace. Thou hast magnified mercy. Everyone say magnified mercy. You showed this to me in saving my life. I cannot, however, I cannot escape 
to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee into, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing. Verse 22, Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. The sun was risen, verse 23. Verse 24, the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah. Verse 25, he overthrew those cities. Verse 26, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Verse 29, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities that he remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. Verse 30, and Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain. Interesting. For he feared to dwell in Zor. Before the judgment came, he was afraid to go to the mountain. After judgment and consequences, all of a sudden the mountain was very appealing. He was afraid to live in the valley. I want to talk to you tonight about living on the wrong side of fear. Let's lift our hands and let's pray together. Would you? Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this service tonight. We pray that the living word will preach the written word. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to give me instant access and favor with these people here tonight, that your word may have free course among us and that it would have the full benefit for all that are here. God, I ask you to help us to have our minds, oh God, in the right place, that there will be no distractions that will take away from the revelation and understanding. I pray that I would speak only those things that you want me to say, but everything that you want me to say. God, tune us in together, oh God, with your perfect will and plan, and bring us into the full impetus and movement of the Spirit of God that is available for us today, that we will leave here changed in Jesus' name. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing so long, and you may be seated. Oliver Wendell Holmes made this statement, it doesn't matter where you are, but rather in which direction you are heading. We must look where we are going because we will go where we are looking. Many times just the very simple things in life can alter us because we just start leaning in a particular direction. I want you to understand that Jesus talked about the days of Lot, and they are very relevant to us because of that. He said the end time generation would be like two generations, the generation of Noah and the generation of Lot. So that immediately makes Lot's day very significant to us. Now let me ask you a question. When Jesus talked about it, what did he focus on? We talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. We talk about judgment that came to Sodom and Gomorrah, eating and drinking, planting, building, buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage. But the Bible says, he said, remember Lot's wife. Is that correct? So what is the focus that many times when people talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and the days of Lot and the end times, what do we always seem to talk about? What do we always talk about? What do we always focus on? 
We always focus on judgment. We focus on sin. We, fo we focus on sodomy, homosexuality. We see the aggressiveness of the sin of that particular age. And then we look around and we say this, oh my goodness, Jesus must be coming because look at all of the gay uh, marriage issues that are coming up and look at all of the agendas that we find in the universities and, and, in, the, and in the colleges. And, and now it's getting not only just in high school, but they're talking about it in, in, in preschool and, and in elementary. They're trying to say, it's okay for us to have homosexuality. This is not a neurosis of the mind as it used to be in the, in the psychiatrics books when they would study uh, care for people with mental illnesses. They took it out of the books and now it's just supposed to be something that we accept as a normal lifestyle. And we can't even talk about it anymore without it being described as, as a hate crime. But I came to tell you, this is a generation that very much parallels Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want to tell you something today. The focus of Jesus' agenda was not only for us to understand that there was a negative slant to that generation, but that there was something that, was, that we were going to miss if we did not put our focus and attention in the right place. If we can believe that these are the days of Lot, if it is possible for people to have the same mentality that Lot had and the same mentality that Sodom and Gomorrah had, then it's also possible for there to be some men like Abraham who can be the friend of God. And I'm going to tell you, I choose to, to follow in the path of Abraham. I want you to understand here tonight, every single one of us has an opportunity to be called the friend of God. Now, there is a difference when you contrast the righteousness of Lot with the righteousness of Abraham. In 2 Peter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says that God delivered just Lot, who was vexed with the, with the spirit of that day. He was vexed with, the, with Sodom and Gomorrah and the sins of that generation. He was vexed in seeing and hearing something every single day. But I want to ask you a question today. If he was so vexed, then why did he stay there? If you are so vexed with what you are looking at around you, then why have you found yourself being comfortable? You see, Lot was considered just compared to Sodom. But when you put Lot next to Abraham, he pales in comparison. Now, the issue here tonight is whether we are righteous in comparison to all of the teenagers of this generation. It's not whether we look good in comparison to how the world is doing, because the world is not doing good today. The world is on a downward slant. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many know that there's teen suicide and pregnancies and, and all kinds of drug addictions and alcohol, and people are aimlessly wandering, and all you have to do is just be dressed and in your right mind, and you're doing better than most teenagers in this generation. Just the fact that you're here today makes you exceptional. But I don't want to just be average. I don't want to just be ordinary. I don't want to just be another person that just goes to church. I want to be an Abraham who's burning and on fire with God and has a real relationship with God that makes a difference that you can compare him to anybody else. And Abraham will stand up in any generation as a distinguished man of faith. Is there anybody here tonight that says, I want to be more than just a pew sitter? I want to be more than just somebody that went to church. I want to be more than just somebody that said, you know, I didn't like what the world was doing. All that they could say about Lot is that he didn't like it. All that you can say about Lot is that he was displeased by it. He was grieved. I want to be more than a young person that just says, well, you know what? I just don't like what's going on in this world today. I am not happy about Osama bin Laden. You know, I heard today that those terrorists are still bombing our troops over there. I'm just not happy about that. 
Now, there's a lot of people that they are experts on what's wrong with everything in the church, but they don't do anything to change it. I believe that God wants a young, peop- a young, a young person. He wants a generation that's going to raise up that not only sees what's going on in this generation, not only sees what's happening, but says, God, I'm going to find a place in you where I can do something about it. God wants you to make a difference. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to make a difference. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands again to the Lord and give Him praise tonight. Now let's parallel them again. Abraham was a man that walked with God. But Lot was a man who walked with a man who walked with God. When Lot is with Abraham, he's good, he's blessed. Everything's great. But then they came to a point when Lot had to make up his mind how he was going to live. Now, right now, you're under the shadow of great men and women of God. You are living in the shadow and the auspices of people that are already blessed. You've got a covering and a spiritual heritage that's here. And all you've got to do is show up. All you've got to do is make up your mind. You're going to get in the choir. You're going to come to Sunday school. There's so many programs. There's so many places that you can go. And immediately, you're going to be blessed just because you were raised up in this church. But there's going to be a time, and maybe you're crossing that bridge right now, when you're you're going to have to decide, do I do this because my church does it? Do I do it because my pastor does it? Do I do it because my parents do it? Do I do it because my youth pastor does this? Do I do this because my friends do it? Or do I do this because I love God? Do I do it because it's in my heart? Do I live this way because I want to live this way? We have to make up our mind whether we're going to walk with God for ourselves, and that's what makes the difference. Let's stop again right now and lift our hands to the Lord. Would you do it? Say, God, I want to walk with you. I don't want to just walk with somebody that walks with God. I want to walk with you for myself. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Abraham kept his eyes on the path. As Lot focused on Sodom, he went from living in the fruitful plains of Jordan to living in Sodom, to his daughters marrying sons from Sodom, to sitting in the gate at Sodom, to being involved in the politics of Sodom, to being involved as a city council member in Sodom. And all of this was for the sake of not wanting to miss out. You see, Sodom was a great trade route. Sodom and Gomorrah was a trade route. It connected people from Egypt, from Egypt to Phoenicia. They had to travel through this particular region of the country. So all the best trades came through there. I mean, all the name brands were, went through there. I mean, if there was Gucci and Prada and, and uh, name me some more uh, people. Uh, Louis Vuitton. Well, we have some quiet people here tonight. Liz Claiborne. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? I mean, they had a Starbucks on every corner. Is that, is that touching anybody yet? The iPods came out first at Sodom. I don't, you know, maybe I'm not preaching to young people here tonight. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody else. The first eight-track player was. <laughs> the Victrola. <laughs> Somebody hit the needle. Okay, I'm sorry. 
You know, I used to get all the look. No, I won't tell you this. Start talking about record players that's really going to date me. But they had the, the, the best of the best in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was, a, it was an area of superabundance. And so the advantage was if we can learn how to build up a resistance to all of the bad that's going on in Sodom, we can learn how to live on the same plane and still be righteous and have all the benefits. And so basically what he was saying is, I want to be neutral. He started living on the same plane that Sodom was living on. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no such thing as being neutral. Either you are affecting Sodom or Sodom is affecting you. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can prove it to you tonight. The Bible calls him righteous in 2 second, in second Peter chapter 2. But when angels came into that city, he didn't see them as angels. He thought they were men. He's trying to save the angels from the homosexuals. And the angels are trying to save him from the judgments of God that are coming tomorrow. He is so blind that he thinks that he's really the one that's doing God a favor right now. And God is saying, only because Abraham learned how to pray enough to get in the right position are these angels even here in the first place. And he went to tell his children that tomorrow there was going to be a judgment of God. And they laughed at him. They thought it was a joke because spiritual things were things that we joke about. They were not really serious things. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a judgment day that's coming. Jesus is coming back and we will enter into an eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And as much as we get into the culture of church and as much as we laugh about things that go on in church and there's always going to be things that we can laugh about and talk about. There's something inside of us that has to have a reverence and a fear of God that says, you know what? This is for real. This is for salvation. This is, this is for eternity. But we can get on the same plane with the world where we start adopting the same, uh, same skepticism. We start adopting the same mentality. We come to church and even though we're righteous, we, we put our own secular thoughts and involve them in the whole process. And we can expect the world to have some questions. We can expect the world to have some ideas about God that, that are a little bit iffy. But we ought to be the ones that understand when the supernatural is being manifested. We ought to be so involved in the supernatural power of God that we can recognize him when he comes. But Abraham, Abraham, Abraham lived with a passion. He was not worried about the fashions of his day as much as he was about what God was saying. Lot was the first to know the fashion, but the last to know about the judgments of God. He was the first to know about the latest trends. Now, folks, I'm sure that Abraham was very well dressed. He was as wealthy or more wealthy than Lot was. This is not about whether you can be blessed or not. It's about where's your heart. It's about where's your passion. It's about understanding what life is about. I want every one of you to be blessed. I wish you all would go to college and get degrees and, 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 and live in a nice house and drive a nice car and be great supports for the church and funnel money into the kingdom of God and get a passion. But that's not what life is about, folks. Life is about finding a purpose. Life is about finding your passion. Life is about understanding what your calling is. Life is about knowing your time and knowing the potential that we have in this generation. Life is about understanding that this is our moment. And if we understand where we are, 
there is going to be a visitation of God in this earth before he brings judgment to this earth. What Abraham taught us is that before there's ever going to be fire and brimstone, there's going to be a visitation of God. God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to have a visitation. Folks, I want to be a part of this end time visitation. Before the judgment comes, before all of the sinners are judged, there's going to be a revival. There's going to be a revival. God is going to visit us. He's going to walk among us. And I want to be like Abraham. I want to say, don't pass me by. Don't let me miss this moment. Don't let me get so caught up in the trivial things that I miss the power of this moment. This is the greatest time that the church has ever lived in. This is the greatest generation that has ever come up. We have the greatest opportunity. We can literally move things in the spirit we can literally change destinies of nations what God has been pressing upon me so much is that Lot's wife looked back why did she look back why did Lot's wife look back because she had nothing to look forward to Do you know that we lost 86% of our young people in the last generation? 86%. My wife and I were talking about the kids in our youth group growing up. How many made it? Percentage was, was even higher. I talk about the kids that grew up with me in Racine. Kids I went to high school with in the Christian school. We lost a generation. Our youth department has done the statistics. The recent one came up, 86%. Five years from now, I don't want you to be looking around and saying, well, I wonder where so-and-so was. Well, I wonder where they are. I wonder what they're doing now. I don't want you to say, I mean, if a hospital, okay, let's just put it in perspective. If a hospital said, you know, 86% of the babies that are born here die, but the other 14% are really healthy. Do you think we keep going to that hospital? So you see, there's a passion inside of me that I don't want you to be that way. You know why people look back? They have nothing. To look forward to you see you have to make up your mind if you are just a negotiator that's what lot was lot was a negotiator okay everyone say angels real live angels come into their house blind these homosexuals and they are still so passionate about what they want to do that they're beating around to try to find the door lot doesn't have the passion for righteousness that they have for sin and that's why he's not able to withstand the power of the culture. The only way that you and I are going to be able to reach this generation is when our, is when our passion for God exceeds the passion that the world has for their wickedness and their rebellion. Real live angels come. And the Bible says not only did they blind them, they warned them. And he said, tomorrow... You have to leave. Now, Lot was happy because they got saved one more night. They were protected one more night, and he had this false sense of security. You see, they couldn't get me. God took care of me. But I'm going to tell you something. You can only live so long in that position of compromise until it's going to be one thing or the other. 
Now, we can have a false sense of security and say, well, I prayed through before. Well, I prayed through last week. Well, I prayed through last Sunday night. But you see, what God is wanting for this youth group this week, come in from the outside. In other words, change your spiritual location. You've got to go to a higher plane. You've got to learn to live in the mountaintop. He doesn't want you just to have another experience, just another good cry in the altar, and then live in the same place that you've always lived and feel comfortable doing the things that you've always done. What God is saying, there's a mountaintop. I want to take you to a high place. I'm going to help you get there. I've got intercessors that are here. I've got angels that are here. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to come with a personal visitation. In this visitation, I'm going to open up a way for a, a plan of escape. Folks, I want out. I want out. I want to escape. I want to get as far away from the sin. I want to get as far away from the corruption. I want to get as far away from the destruction of this age. I want to get as far away as I can get. But Lot says this. He says, I know you gave me mercy. He knew it. He said, you magnified mercy. You made mercy greater to me than, than I've ever seen mercy before. He said, I know I was saved. I was not in the right position. And then he says, and I found grace. Now, mercy and grace were always intended to be blessings in our life. God gives us mercy to take away the consequences of our sins. God gives us mercy to say, I know you didn't mean to do it. I know that you got caught up in the culture. I know that peer pressure got a hold of you. I know that, I, and you say, oh God, if I could just have a second chance, that's what mercy is. And he loves you enough that God says, I would rather you have mercy now. I would rather you have your opportunity now. I'm never going to bring judgment in your life before there's mercy. He said, I'm going to give you mercy to such a degree that it's impossible for you to wait to ignore it. I know it. Then he says, and grace. But when he gets outside the gate, the Bible says he lingered. He just lingered. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine Lot? Lot and his wife. They're sitting there. They, they got their sandals off. They got their toes in the bearskin rug, you know. Oh, feel it, honey. Remember when we first bought this? They're sitting in their camelback chair. Oh, Oh, yeah, this is a double, double humpback camel chair. Yeah, see, this is for husband and wife. She's got one hump that she sits on, and he sits on the other hump. I mean, they got the Egyptian hand-carved table. They've got candlesticks with, with incense that burns. And, oh, honey, you think we can get these in the backpack? No, they're too heavy. No, we can't. We got We've already got all this stuff in the backpack. We have to leave now. Sulfur is hanging in the air. Brimstone is in the clouds. The temperature is unusually hot at nine in the morning. The angels are, are looking up in the sky. Their eyes are clear and plain. They know this is the day everything's going to burn. Everything's going to burn. Everything in the valley is going to burn. And they're sitting there going, oh, honey, I just don't know if we should leave or not. Do you understand that everything in this world is going to burn? Do you understand that? But because they hadn't seen it yet, they were more afraid of the mountain than they were of living on the same plane with the rest of the world. And so when the angels finally dragged them out of the city, I mean, pulled them, literally, just looking backwards, looking around, looking at this beautiful city that they loved so much, and the palm trees and the fountains and all the, the carvings and the architecture, and oh, wow, and there's the Starbucks right there. Do they have one up in the mountain? 
Honey, I don't know if I can do my nails up in the mountains. And the angel says, it's all going to burn today. And they get outside the city, and it's like all of a sudden they go, and their mind clears, and they go, oh, my goodness. I was so much under the influence of that, I didn't even realize. You know what? Some of that was still lingering in him. He lingered in Sodom long enough that Sodom started lingering in him. And so when God starts telling him, you've got to go to the mountain, he starts saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can't I just go to this little city down the road? It's just, it's just a little bit. Come on, it's no big deal. I can't go up in that mountain. If I go up in that mountain, some evil's going to take me. And I heard they got bandits up there in those mountains. Making excuses about why they can't go higher and start negotiating with God. You see, what Lot's idea was is how close can I get to the edge without being judged? How close can I get to the world without being burned? How far can I push it? Oh, pastor, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, is it really that important? Is it okay if I preach to you today? I know this is the first night and we have to be friends and all this stuff and I'm trying to make friends with you, but I want you to know I love you enough that I got to preach to you exactly where we are. And I got you to understand that this is what we do. If we do not have the vision of where we're going, if you do not accept the mountain as a possibility for your life, if you do not really believe that you can go there and live there, you know what you do? You just try to negotiate. You got to see how far you can push it, PG-13. You try to see how far you can push the edge, push the edge, push the edge, push the edge. Now, Justin, you're not married yet, but you know, when, when, when Miss Wonderful comes into your life, if she were to say something like this, you know, Justin, I want to marry you, I want to live forever with you, you know, but you don't expect me to stop flirting, do you? I mean, you know, I won't kiss him or anything, but if I hold her hands every now and then, you won't really get upset, will you? Now, if my wife would have done that to me, I would just say, you know what? You need some more time. And when you're ready to have a serious relationship, you can come back. But you know what? Until that time, um, let's just leave our options open. Now, either we are espoused to Jesus Christ as his church, or we're not. We have to understand something, folks. When you are in love with Jesus... You're not trying to see how close you can get to the edge, how much you can get away with, and how much is permissible. Well, you know, you know, you might be able to, I guess, talk to other girls, or she could talk to other guys, and you know. But when you're in love, that's not the way it is, folks. I could not wait to see this thing. My phone bill was nine hundred dollars a month, and hers was nine hundred dollars a month. We would stay on the phone and just listen to each other breathe. Okay, good night. Good. Okay, yes, good night. Good night. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Kimberly, wake up. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Because when you're in love, that's the way you feel. I'm not going, well, I guess I got to go talk to my girl again. When you understand what God has available to you, do you really believe that God's going to send angels to a city? He's going to give him mercy, grace, love him enough to pull him out of Sodom and say, I know that Sodom had a powerful force on you, but you know what? We believe in your righteousness and your future enough to say that God has a special place for you in the mountain, and this is going to get you out of this situation, and when you get there, your life is going to be a brand new life. Do you think that God's really going to save him from Sodom so he can die up in the mountain? 
you understand that God loves us so much that he has created a way of escape? And the answer is we have got to change our spiritual location. We have got to change our spiritual address. Tonight, God, give me a passion. You know what Lot should have done? He should not have been going, well, Lord, I just don't know. I know these are real angels here and grace and mercy and all this stuff is really cool. But, you know, we just like to downsize our sin just a little bit. It should not have been this way. You know what Lot should have said? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me enough. Thank you for pulling me out. Thank you for dragging me out. Thank God for Uncle Abraham. Thank you, God, for an intercessor that prayed. You mean there's a mountain? You mean there's a place that I can go? Oh, man, can I go right now? How high is it? When can I get the climb? Which road do I take? How fast can I get there? You see, Lot's wife would have never looked back if she knew that her future was brighter than her past. You've got to understand that whatever you give up for God, what you get in the church is so far beyond whatever you find in the world that this world is it's just it dims in comparison to the glorious resilient light of God's grace what God has for us so far supersedes all the counterfeits that are in this age that folks we cannot even understand the riches of his glory the depth of his love the breadth of his compassion we can understand how much power and anointing is available to us in the spirit folks this is what I want to say not how close I can get to the world but how close can I get to you Jesus how high can I climb how much can I have how much can I know how much can I be used in the spirit how much anointing can be in my life oh god do something to me right now to deliver me abraham dwelt in a plane with god where god literally asked him what he thought about it before he did it some people read the news other people make the news and this is my challenge for you tonight. This is what God is speaking so strongly to me tonight. Lot's wife became nothing more than a monument. Abraham birthed a movement. Monuments, monuments are nothing but a tribute to the past. Movements are energy forces are surges that are tied into the future. You've got to understand that we have all kinds of tremendous landmarks around us that mark to us that God has been here. But even when Jacob had a move of God in his life, and he built a monument. He didn't stay there. Every monument ought to be pushing us forward in the future or else it has lost its purpose. He was saying, remember Lot's wife. In other words, don't let yourself just get into this maintenance mode. You cannot, as a young person, think that you're going to be here five years, ten years, twenty years from now if you're just trying to maintain. Hold the fort for I'm coming just doesn't work for this generation. You don't even hear that song, and I thank God for it. But we had these songs in the songbook. We used, to, we used to dig through the songbooks all the time. I said, what's this one, Dad? Hold the fort for I am coming, coming to take my people home. You know, or another one, build me a cabin up in glory. A cabin? Hold the fort? You know, we got this idea that we're just these, you know, oh, God. I'm <laughs> going Is it safe? <laughs> Verse number two. Okay, it's safe. We're under some kind of onslaught and attack from Satan, and we're just holding off till the rapture. 
You know, we just hear these great testimonies. You know, y'all just pray for me that I make it till next week. Can you imagine if, if my wife and I got married and I asked the preacher to just pray for us that we can make it till next week? Folks, this is, this is about eternity. This is about forever. And if this is about forever, I'm certainly not going to be bored out of my mind just twiddling my thumbs, just doing the same thing I've always done. That's why people start going, you know what, it's a lot more fun where I used to be. A whole lot more great stuff happening where I came from. Because this generation has a challenge right now. We either become a movement or we become a monument. And we just say, well, you know, I went, I went to that you know, church over there. Do you realize these beautiful big buildings, cathedrals with these pipe organs and stained glass windows? Huge. They have 50 people there that come on Sunday and sleep through half of the service. Do you know that that building was built one day because there was passionate people that were really excited about God? And now it's just become a museum. But we have to decide whether we're just going to be a museum or whether we're going to be a movement. What God is pressing on me is it's time for some new pioneers. Do you know what, what, what Lot was afraid of? He was afraid of all the wrong things. He was afraid of going to a higher place. He was afraid of a new thing. He was afraid of totally trusting God. He lived on the wrong side of fear. He was not afraid of pushing grace. He was not afraid of taking advantage of mercy. He was not afraid of negotiating with angels. He was not afraid of telling God no. He was not afraid of judgment. He wasn't afraid to live on the same plane that the rest of the world was living on. He was completely callous in so much. It didn't even matter that the clouds were full of brimstone and fire. Had absolutely zero sensitivity to the reality of his age. And if we understood where we really were right now, folks, if God could open up our eyes so we could see, do we have 10 years left? Do we have 20 years? This is the rapture generation. We are living in the rapture generation. Right now, they're already, they're already making the computer chips that they're going to put in our hands. There are, there are organizations right now that are building them. There's people in California right now. When you become a, 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 an immigrant into California, in Southern California right now, they're already putting a, a chip under the right hand or the forehead, or you cannot come into this, city, into, into this uh, 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 country as a citizen. Folks, we're right here. We're right at the end. And what are we doing? We're lingering inside, looking around as if there's no purpose. I'm going to tell you something. There's a position. There's a place that we can get to where God will say, Life Church, there's something that I'm doing about Kansas City. There's some things that are happening in Kansas City. And I want to come and bring a visitation to Kansas City. And I want to know what you think about it. And we can stand and say, God, I know I'm ashes and dust, but I want to, I want to prevail upon you. There's some honest-hearted young people in this city. Before you bring judgment, Lord, before you rain down your judgment upon
upon this city, God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Remember all the honest-hearted, sincere people that have never had a chance to hear the gospel yet. Remember my friends right now. They're in a Bible study right now. Remember my neighbors next door. They're good people. They just don't know everything they need to know yet. Remember, God, my community. Oh, God. Remember, this is the fastest-growing area in all of Missouri. There's new people coming in, and they haven't had a chance to know yet. Oh, God, there's hungry people around me right now. Jesus, give us a chance. We want to reach them. We want to see a revival. I know you're coming, Lord. I know there's judgment coming. I know we're all going to have to give an account, but God, give us a little bit more time. And I know, Lord Jesus, that if they could just have one time at an altar, if they could have one experience at an altar somewhere, God, I want you to know there's some intercessors that God says, all right, all right, if you talk to me about it, instead of God, of us negotiating with God how close we can get to the world, we're negotiating how many people we can get into the kingdom. We're negotiating how many people we can see going to the rapture. We're seeing how many buildings that we can fill up. Hey, folks, let's move into this new building. Let's go. Let's see it filled up with a 1,000 young people. Let's see a vision for 3,000 young people. Let's see a church of 10,000 in this city. Let's see how far we can go with God. Let's see how many daughter works we can plant. Let's see if there's somebody with a passion that says, I know we've never been there, but I'm afraid to miss my moment. I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of the judgment. No, no, no. I'm afraid to miss my moment. I'm afraid that, that God is here right now. He's walking through the earth right now, and I don't want to miss it. Do not pass me by. Somebody will be used. Listen to me. Somebody's going to be anointed. Somebody's going to have a harvest. Somebody's going to dream a dream. Somebody's going to have a vision. Somebody's going to live on a mountaintop. Somebody's going to be used with the supernatural power of God. Somebody's going to see it. It might as well be us. It might as well be you. If there's anything I'm afraid of, is that I know that God is going to do awesome things. I just don't want to be somebody that sits on the sideline while somebody else is used. Let's stop right now. Let's lift our hands. Is anybody hungry right now? You're hungry right now. Lift your hands all over this place. Abraham asked for things that no one had ever asked for before. He prayed prayers that had never been prayed before. But his prayer single-handedly, one man's prayer, single-handedly changed the destiny of a city. I'll tell you what I've been praying, and I'm through the organist or pianist can come. What I've been praying is, God, there is, there's grace that you're going to give to this generation. Where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. There's miracles, signs, wonders. There's financial blessings. There is demonstration of the Spirit. There's a great movement. There's personal encounters with God. There's hearing His voice, just walking in a very close proximity. There's visitations of His Spirit where the glory of God is going to come. But there's, there's a prayer that precedes it that unlocks it. There are friends right now that you know that the right prayer that you would pray could release them from their bondage and they'd be here sitting on the pew next to you. Family members, fathers, mothers, grandparents, kids that you go to school with, people that you go to college with. 
they're waiting on the prayer that's going to unlock their destiny. This generation is waiting on a youth group to stand up before God and say, No! No! No, my friend is not going to hell. No, 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 God. I, I know that, that there's some sin. I know there's some issues. I know there's things. But no, no, God. I'm standing in your face. What about Calvary? What about your blood? I know I'm ashes and dust. I know I'm nothing, God. But I'm going to stand in your way right now. I'm going to stir you up to remember. Remember how much you loved the world that you gave. You poured out. You suffered. God is waiting on the Abrahams to understand this moment. God is looking for somebody right now. You know the reason why he came walking by Abraham? Because he was hoping Abraham would see him. He was hoping Abraham would, would, would say, hey, Lord, over here. He was hoping somebody would get in his way. And right now, he knows that this generation is headlong into destruction. He knows that if we continue the path that we're going, there is certain peril and destruction. And millions upon millions of people are going to go to a Christless eternity. But God is waiting for the new pioneers. He's waiting for somebody to break a barrier and say, I'm going to go where I've never gone before. I'm going to birth a movement. The Bible says that Abraham was called the father of the faith. He birthed a level of faith that the world had never seen. And I want you to know tonight, you are not beneath that. You can have that. God is waiting for you to have the courage. Pray the prayer. Change the destiny of a generation. God, I don't like what's going on. Are you just going to be grieved by it? Or are you going to do something about it? I don't want this just to be another, another youth revival where all I do is help you maintain your spirituality. Because that won't last but a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But tonight you can make up your mind, God, I'm changing my location. I'm changing my attitude. I'm going to get a hold of a vision of what tomorrow holds. Anything is possible. When you learn how to pray the prayer of faith. Let's pray together right now. Father, I'm asking you to call Abraham's, Sarah's. I'm asking you to do something with this youth group right now. To shake them from the spirit of this generation. That would try to lull them to sleep. That would try to just lull them into a nice pattern of maintenance of just coming to church and just not really caring. God, I ask you to show them the potential. Show them the possibilities. Show them, oh God, the future. And help them to see that tonight they can begin a journey into a new realm in the spirit. Tonight they can become a pioneer. Tonight something can be birthed in them. Tonight, oh God, a ministry can be born. A calling can be accepted. Tonight something can get in their spirit that says, I will make a difference. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ that we as a generation will not miss this visitation, that we will not miss our moment, that we will not forsake altars are open right now for every serious young person, every serious young man, 
young lady that says, I am not going to just sit on a pew. I am going to make a difference. Come on. We're making up our mind on this first night. God, change my location. Don't save me for a night. Save me forever. Right now, I'm going to talk to somebody maybe here tonight that says, I haven't even made my choice to serve the Lord. What kind of judgment has to happen in your life before you realize? Before you realize. The mountain is always better than the valley. It's for everybody here tonight. Let's pray. Adults, maybe you want to come and gather behind these young people and help them and say, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to agree with you. Young people, get a hold of somebody. Ladies, pray with one another. Young men, pray with one another. God is wanting to bring you into a new dimension tonight where he sets you free from all of your fear. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray. We're coming to a position of consecration tonight. We're coming to an altar of consecration tonight. I'm gonna go to the mountain. Come on, make up your mind. I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to live in the mountain. I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to be an Abraham. I'm going to be an Abraham. I'm going to be an intercessor that gets in God's way. No, God, you cannot have my family. Don't judge them yet, Lord. Give us some more time, Lord Jesus. Let there be a visitation of your spirit, Lord. A hunger, Lord Jesus. Break the barriers, Lord. Break the barriers, Lord. I'm going to do something about it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to reach him, but I'm going to reach him. I don't know, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details. Thank you.